Welcome back, everybody. This is another Mindset Series episode with co-host Brian Healy and this episode's guest, Clark Depew. And I hope I said your last name right, Clark. If I didn't, let me know. I will make it up to you, and I sincerely apologize. Anyway, Clark is the author of Meditative Fitness, where you can find in any bookstore, as well as even download on Audible and listen to it if you drive a lot like me. That helps me out. And he's also the owner of Tiger Den's CrossFit in Dallas, Texas. So if you're up there, go into Tiger Den, grab a workout, and say hi to him. Let him know you heard him on the podcast. All that good stuff. He's a really interesting, really cool guy, and I really enjoyed the conversation with him and Brian. We talk about how to apply these sort of things from his book into your everyday life and how it helps you get more present and work through things, as well as battling depression and how it helped him, and he shares his story, and maybe it can help others. So I'm not going to say anything further. I will let Clark explain and go over everything. Please enjoy Clark Depew. And there we go. Just like that, we're recording. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Oh, we really appreciate you being on, man. I know uh, my wife's a huge fan of your book. Full disclosure, I have not read the book, but she relayed a lot of messages to me about the book. So, gotcha. I, I've read yeah. the book. Yeah. I, I have read the book front to back, and <laughs> we have it yeah. in the YouTube good, good. video. Um, yeah. So, Clark, do you want to give us a little bit of background about? I guess. We know you're the owner of Tiger Den CrossFit and the whole meditative fitness uh, process. Do you want to kind of give us a background how that all started? Sure. Um, it's actually kind of an exciting time because I did just recently take over Tiger's Den. Um, but the cool thing, the coolest thing to me is that how my book got started was from my first workout at that gym is when I had the vision of the book. And I had already had it in mind to teach meditation, and um, it it just happened to where it, it was like divine intervention uh, at the, the exact moment it needed to happen, and I had the whole vision of the book, and I knew that I pretty much had to write it. Um, and I, So I started writing it that same day, and then basically dedicated my life to it, um, and left a previous profession in the process found myself coaching crossfit at, at the gym and then also working another job on the side and supporting myself while i was uh just working on that that baby and uh was able to get it out and then you know come full circle i was able to take over the gym which hopefully is going to give me some more time to work on more projects I do have another book that's kind of a follow-up to Meditative Fitness, where it's a, a daily note. It's based on uh, my emails that I sent or have sent over the years as well. So I've been working on that, and, and yeah, just uh, kind of getting my bearings under me with being a gym owner now. Cool. As well. Do you write? Do you write all those emails like every day, or do you plan them out like weekly? Or I, I know my wife gets them all and shares them quite often. Oh, sweet. Thank you. Um, so I, I wrote them for a year straight and then I think I went down to writing three a week and now I've been recycling. I think I wrote like 450 or something notes. Oh. And so it was enough, it was enough now to where I, I, I recycled them just a bit. Um, 
and every now and then I'll get some new inspiration and I write I've been writing new ones in my phone but I haven't yet like started writing new ones uh, for the emails so, so anyways you know they, they still if you haven't seen them in a couple of years they're still fresh you know but anyways <laughs> So for some of our, uh, this part of this series is like a mindset series that Aaron and I decided to do. And people that don't know that are listening in on here, like CrossFit, I mean, it's a it's a workout fitness regimen. I mean, it, it speaks to my heart. I'm an affiliate owner down here as well. But anybody that would walk in off the street and comes into a gym and just looks at a workout, it looks like controlled chaos. But the last thing probably, mm-hmm. but the last thing, like I would say, brand new people would think about is the mindset aspect of it, or especially that, like the the route you took with like the meditative fitness, like approach to it. But like people that are experiencing this kind of would see like how that definitely falls into it. But like what, like talk, can you talk about like your first that, like as I read it in the book, your first workout there coming back with kind of a meditative background and how you decided like to implement that into the chaos of CrossFit. Yeah, great question. Uh, for me, it really started with wanting to meditate more, and I was, um, you know, starting a meditation practice a number of years ago. I, I was always really consistent at going to the gym. I was an athlete growing up. I kind of fell in love with just the, the physical exertion. Um, so I would start meditating at the gym before. A little bit maybe on my way I would start getting a little reflective and then while I was there I might be going through a process some of it was like an emotional process I like to use you know the workouts I'm a fairly emotional person so I use those to process through things or for me also battling depression um, if I if I'm in a low spot I'll be going to the gym with the intention of working my way to a better place and better state of mind, state of being. Uh, and so it becomes about the, the journey of that process. And, and I find that that to be part of the meditation of it all. It's like when you, especially if you go into a hard workout or something like CrossFit where you're going without stopping for a little while, that's when you're almost like immersing yourself and you're in your own little world in there and you can do with it what you will. You know, people can go through it and do nothing with it on a conscious level or on a meditative level. But, and then there's other times where maybe little bits and pieces are just happening naturally or without much intention. Um, but you can also, with adding intention to it, you can make it a really amazing experience and process, especially when you need it most or when you need to kind of go through a little bit of a, a transformation in your energy or in your day or attitude or mindset. Um, so I think attitude is, is everything in those workouts, especially when they get hard. It just, it, it reveals character. It reveals heart, all those things. And it is pretty fascinating when you kind of get into it. Yeah. I think like that, the one thing you just touched on that I love talking about with at least my athletes as well is like that intention part. Cause a lot of the times I think, uh, that's almost kind of maybe written, people are misrepresent that in their heads what the way that it actually means. Can you touch? Can you talk about that as far as like when you're talking about approaching a workout with intention? Like, what is it? Yeah, I mean, I think so. There's that that probably has a lot of different layers to it. Yeah. 
Um, and so you can have probably a lot of different intentions going on, but uh, a little bit of what I'm referring to from a meditative perspective is creating that kind of intention with it or creating this intention that it is like a, a, a what I call in the book like a spiritual practice or it is a way for you to work on yourself as a person. Um, you can become a better person as a result of like going through a workout and watching yourself, paying attention to how you're being and then uh, what you're putting into it and using it for growth. And so it's like creating that intention of using your fitness for more than just growth uh, physically. Um, so I think that's part of it. But then also the another layer is whatever state of being you're in before the workout, this is kind of one of the formulas that I discovered in writing the book. It's like however you arrive, whatever your state is, whatever your present being is, from there is where you set your intention for where you're basically going or what, what you want that workout to represent. If it's, if, you know, whatever's going on in your space, um, you know, whether it's something that you're having a problem with that you need to work through or work out or whether it's you just, you know, who knows, whatever's going on in your life, but it's taking a, a closer look, maybe getting a little bit deeper with yourself. Uh, and then putting that into your workout and seeing what happens. And I found that remarkable things happen, you know, within yourself. And if you kind of put whatever intention you need to in it, um, and then you you see the results at the end and they kind of speak for themselves. Yeah, 100%. Uh, would you think that it would be like, so we've had our two previous guests were one was an like basically won this huge Arctic race. How many miles was it? <laughs> three hundred eighty. Three hundred eighty miles, and then we had a guy that not only is he an ultra runner, but he's also uh, he also rode like or he, he rode the, by himself a, 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 across the Atlantic. Yeah, and you. Ex- oh my god! I know, but like, what's, what's crazy about that, and like, I thought you'd be the perfect guy to have on for this next one, is like, two things they both talked about um, was, like, you always expect, like, when people do these things, like, they're going to give themselves, like, some big old pump-up speech, or they got to really, like, like motivate themselves with all these, at, like, outside entities, but really it's just kind of like a methodical process and practice inside their head that they continually go through when they're doing these things. Um, that keeps them that keeps them in that moment, and that kind of like resonated yeah. with me. That, that resonated with me with what you talked about in your book, and so I guess my question would be like, so like outside of CrossFit, like if we were like anybody that's going to kind of tackle something like that or anything, maybe like how do you think that the process should start where it becomes like methodical and in the moment, and not like where you need all of this motivating like whatever it may be like outside pump up stuff where you can just kind of be there Mm, yeah I think part of it the biggest thing that jumps out at me is focus is learning how to focus your mind and and that I believe happens the best in meditation it's partly where you learn how to focus and and that's what one one Thing I'll touch on real quick just because pe- a lot of people struggle with this in meditation is they, they're not focusing on anything at all and they'll go in and they'll just try to sit there and do nothing which is what I would call passive meditation 
Um, but that's very difficult to do, and it's not necessarily training your brain to, to slow down and focus on maybe one thing. Um, and that's where the, the simplest thing to focus on is your breathing. And then translate that to fitness and how important is just breathing your way through whatever you're doing. And like those guys, I'm sure, are masters with their breath uh, the, that, are, that did those amazing feats. Well, that's funny that you say that because uh, the guy who did the Arctic one, he did a bunch of, tr- he failed it and then went back and did a bunch of like breath work and mm-hmm. ended up winning it in, in two years later. Wow. So it's, awesome. it's interesting you start, you talk about the, like the, the breathing in there and then at the same time with the meditative stuff and focusing on one thing, these guys are out there like by themselves and so they've got a lot of time. Mm-hmm. They're doing something really exhaust, exhausting. You have like hallucinations and, and different things like that going on. And they have to always try to stay present mm-hmm. in that specific moment on what they're doing, what their task is, where they're going, you know, how far they have to, you know, just keeping everything in perspective. So I think that's an interesting thing. And also at the same time, what, what piques my interest in this is, People always say, and you said it earlier about, you know, people just try to do nothing. That meditative part, like, no one tells you how to meditate. There's no, there's like very few places that are instructive for you. You know, if you want to do it, you want to start someplace, where do you start? Like, what's the best way? How do you do it? Like, what are some practices that you can do to start this process out? Yeah, and I mean, that's a great question. I think finding a resource that you feel good about. So there's so many different kinds of meditation, different things out there that, you know, some might mesh with you as an individual, some might not. You know, you might be drawn to something, or people tend to experiment with different things or try, they'll go to a a class here or a class there, um, or read about something and practice it and just, start doing it and that's sometimes how it starts um i would guided meditations are the easiest at the beginning i feel also finding a meditation center if you're in a uh, maybe i would say typically might be more of those in a bigger city uh environment but um if, if there's something like that nearby where you can go with a group that can be really powerful the, the group aspect because um there is like some sort of cosmic connection that's happening. It's easier to meditate when others are meditating around you and it multiplies the energy. So I would re- definitely recommend that as a, a place to start. Um, but I was, you know, the, the book that I wrote also, I would, would like that to be, to be a place for people to start as well. And I wrote it in such a way that it, it's like a foundation of building a meditation practice and there's about 50 meditations at the end of the book as well. There's audio on audible.com. Oh, wow. Um, it's on Audible? Yes, it is. And and so it, it, it takes you through like a, a foundation of, and I could list off the foundation real quick, but it's um, tuning into your breath, your body, your energy, um, re- relaxing is really the first step, just starting to relax and let your brainwaves slow down. So I start to take you, th- take you through these 
different single meditations that are building on each other and building on uh, building a foundation. But then the cool thing is that the foundation is, can also be applied to fitness, and that's where when you start getting into it, it it's it was really crazy how everything that applied in meditation also applied to fitness, like in so many weird ways. Um, so it's the the two are just kind of meant to be together in some way. I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think I w- it's something. I, it's kind of like a weird thing. Like you talked about earlier about like you said that you're an emotional guy. Um, I think sometimes like I've had people that have like, gone through. It, it could be a loss. It could be anything. Just a really bad day. It could be something on the other extreme as well. And they still want to come in and like get their fitness on, basically. As I would say. And one thing I learned, and now that I tell people when they're getting ready to do that, I always say, "Hey, just be aware. You may become super emotional like during the workout." I go, and that's okay. Um, do you take Do you take that kind of approach with people when they're coming like something like that with you? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really good to give them the permission to let it out and to you know say, "Hey, that this is this is what it's here for in a way." Yeah. And, you know, it's a it's a huge. It can be a huge release uh, for people or for us when we need it. And I think it's a great time to because you're having a, a moment in a way to yourself. You could be going through a workout and you're sweating and you're crying and nobody really knows. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It. So, yeah, those are some of my favorite workouts. Is where you get to so it's, cry a little bit through. If someone, if I, I say like, there's different styles of coaching. Like you have the fire breathers, I call them, that are like, like always up and hype and like trying to keep the room like going or whatever. And then you have, I call like the methodical technical coach who is really kind of honing in on individuals throughout the entire workout and like that's their thing. So like, and you know, you, people would say probably in a CrossFit class, the energy level is usually pretty high and up. So, and if mm-hmm. I, I think someone that would think like meditative a more of like the not so hype and not so exciting thing. How do you combine them in a CrossFit gym? And you're like, how do you do it? Yeah, that, that's a good question. There, I would say I do it more so in events that are specifically with that purpose and intention. Otherwise, the way that I would I do it for people is very subtle uh, and. It, it could be just a, a giving them a mantra without them even knowing that I just gave it to them. And it could be based on whatever they're confronting or whatever they're facing. Maybe it's their attitude that's starting to, you know, or they're starting to get, you know, pissed off about something that's happening in the workout or frustrated. And uh, whatever it is, you know, just trying to, to give them something subtle. So it's creating a vibe, creating the, uh, an energy about it. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's not always the most conducive to what we normally think of as calmer meditation because people like the faster music. And yeah, exactly. I, I kind of enjoy like working out to sometimes some more uh, meditative music, but it's still not all the way. I would say towards the meditative spectrum but kind of between yeah but that's okay um, i mean i think that's probably like i think sometimes like that's the great thing about crossfit gyms is like every community is different and so like coming in it's like someone like really vibing on that style of thing but i think what's awesome is like you've touched on something that i mean mindset practice and even like the meditative mindset practice 
with like even individual like competitive CrossFit athletes is something that they're starting to really like really spend a lot of time with. Um, I guess my have you have any, have you had any athletes like big like uh, you don't have to name names, but have you had any athletes reach out to you to kind of help them with that? Uh, not as of now, but I'm definitely open to it. Would love to work with some you know high level athletes and on the meditative side of things. And it's been been something in my mind and, and a, a goal to, to work with professional athletes on it to be just a, I think a blast. I would really enjoy that. Yeah, I think a lot of, I mean, that'd be, I think, something for sure you should get into as far as that goes, especially reading your book. I mean, kind of staying on track with what we've been talking about, but there's like a really cool concept in your book that I, I even highlighted, and I'm reading it right now, talking about false limits and pushing through them. Can you talk about a little bit, like, like can you define false limits in, in regard to your book and then kind of how you put, and like, and how you push through them? Yeah, for sure. This is something that's been very fascinating to me in, in my own physical practice is you just don't know what you're capable of. Yeah. And it, you, you don't, I wrote this on the board not too long ago, but it's, the quote was, sometimes you're only as fit as you allow yourself to be. And you it's like people don't even try something they just cut themselves off before they'll even attempt something thinking that they can't do it or that they are not and, and it might be a longer term goal or it could be just one particular workout um so i think it goes both ways on that but uh like people that set a limitation that they'll never do something never do a particular movement or never do a, a particular skill or something um but for and for me th this happened when i uh, i when we had murph which maybe a lot of people are familiar with the long long workout yep. marathon and uh i ended up doing it twice in one day in about a four hour span and i i was scared to even do it the, you know once i had done it before <laughs> but it still still kind of scared me <laughs> and uh, I never could have fathomed that I would end up doing it twice, and I did, you know, almost the same exact on both times as far as t my time went. Uh, and it was just, it, it definitely was just another experience that kind of blew my mind, and it, it kind of led me to, to really, again, realize that you really are only as fit as you allow yourself to be to do that what was uh, like was that your reasoning going into doing Murph twice or what what was your reason behind jumping into that long that brutal of a workout back to back so I yeah it was kind of a, one of those things that I would consider to be an opportunity and I I did we didn't plan on having Murph even twice at our gym and we ended up having a few people that had to work that day. So I agreed to meet him at 7 a.m. And I, I was like, oh, I'll just do it with you guys and then I'll coach the 10 a.m. Um, I ended up doing Murph at 7. I I was a little frustrated with my last mile. Uh, it, was a, it was a great challenge and ex 
a little unsatisfied and I left, went to the store and while I was at the store, I just kind of had this idea that I, I felt pretty decent and I was like, I wonder if I could do it again. And I wasn't even sure. I didn't even commit fully uh, to myself to do it again. It wasn't like, I'm doing it again. It was like, maybe I can. I said, also, because I, I, try, I try to take care of my body. I'm not trying to destroy it or anything. I want to keep using it for as long as I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, that's, that was, that's always in my mind. It's like, I don't want to over, overdo it. But, uh, and Merck's a big one. But I was like, you know, I feel pretty good. Maybe I can. So I went back to the gym. I said, all right, I'm just going to go for a run with you guys, and then I'll see how I feel. And when I get back, I'll start doing some rounds. I, I decided to change up the way I was going to do it. Uh, instead of partitioning uh, like 20 rounds, I was going to just partition five big rounds, which was mentally a little more digestible. I was like, five rounds. I can do five rounds. And so I came back, started doing the rounds, started feeling really good once I was in the middle of it all. And was I, 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 I do find that workout to be – a very meditative one you're in you're getting your own zone and you're just like there's a you find a strong intention to just keep going and, and kind of methodical i love the, the of what you touched on earlier about being methodical um i find that to be uh, a powerful experience in crossfit as well where you're just like in the rhythm of it and you're in the flow of that particular workout or whatever's happening that happens so, to me that happens to me all the time. I have to say, like, yeah. and in Murph, it happens to me a lot when I'm just counting reps. Just I'm counting, counting, counting. Mm-hmm. I'm focusing on how my legs feel, um, and pain, like especially in the squats. By the time I get to the squats, I'm focusing on that, and I'll realize I'll just like there's almost a blip of time where it disappears, and then all of a sudden I'm at 200, and I go, oh wow. I'm already yeah. here, and I'm just going one, two, and I'm in my head. I'm just counting each rep. The problem with that is, is mm-hmm. when you have like 30 reps, and then you start counting, you get to 40, and you're like, "Oh, I went, I did too many." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, that's funny. There's actually a process I wrote in the back of the book called self-hypnotic counting, and it's basically applying the concept of what we we're talking about about focusing your mind and the only thing you're focusing on is counting and so you kind of stop focusing on your body and the pain or the you know your legs or whatever you're just focusing on the counting and it's amazing and that's i think something maybe a really good tidbit here is when you're going through a workout if you're focusing on how much your legs are hurting it is not helping necessarily it is not like creating the positive intention to do what you really want to happen, which is to clear, you know, to feel good and fresh and to be able to keep going to get your legs oxygen, probably what they need when they're burning or to flush them out, whatever it is. Yep. But I think like that sort of thing can apply to like a, uh, even like a daily, I've noticed since, and this is not like, call it CrossFit, call it whatever fitness you want, like that process of learning how to focus on something to get through it, like counting like that. And I didn't even know you had that in the book, but that, I mean, it really makes sense. And now I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm definitely going to download your book, by the way, on Audible and listen to it. I drive a lot. But, um, cool. but 
I think that applies. It, it's really kind of applied to my work life and everything else from the top to bottom. Like I've transferred that sort of mental attitude towards the other things that I do. Like it helps me focus more on the task at hand. And then by the time I realize like that I'm in something, it's already over. Like I've already completed the task. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think a lot of that awesome. stuff and so far the, the things that you've talked about here can be transferred over into everybody's daily life. Do you have a lot of people respond to you in that manner as far as like um, coming back to you with like, man, this really helped me outside the gym and outside of workouts? You know, I can't say I've had a, a ton of people with that feedback, but I do definitely believe it wholeheartedly. I think that is the overarching thing about it all too is and and maybe it's maybe it's nothing new but i think we're we're entering a different age with it um and what i mean by that is i think they probably used fitness and to help build character and uh many other things mental fortitude for years or a long long time but uh that's definitely something that that happens. And that was a fascinating thing about writing the book. So as I said, that so many things about meditation apply to fitness and all those things that apply to fitness also apply to life basically Yeah. in a way, in a way like uh, there's a lot of the book or a lot of what I wrote that I felt like was like just one big metaphor for life and for things like that where I mean, just even the the simple metaphor of overcoming challenges and how the workout is self-induced challenges that you're facing and how you encounter those might be the same way that you encounter challenges in life. And that's one of the ways you can use it as like a personal development training. Um, And that's just one little example, I think. Well, I get. I'll, I'll give you an example. You, I don't. You can take it or use it with other people if you would like. But like, what's uh, funny is, so I just got back from uh, a trip, uh, and I have, uh, I would say, a healthy fear of flying, where I can, <laughs> I, I, I can get on the plane, and I accept that I'm on the plane. This is gonna get me to the destination, but the destination, I'm always kind of like just not like just don't talk to me a bunch during the plane ride. I'm just not, I'm not in that kind of a state of mind. But I was I was reminded on the yesterday on the trip back um, before I got on the plane I, I was like okay hey you know what I want to make sure I, I want to go through uh, Clark's book again make because I, I read it twice and I wanted to make sure I knew what I wanted to touch on or get in with it and I got to the back where it was on the hypnotic counting thing well I wear this bracelet sometimes it has like these little beads on there and so just throughout the flight like if I felt like we got some turbulence is always the worst part for me I just would start counting these things. Yeah over and over again like that's all i did is just counted it over and over again because and i got into this like trance and the next thing i knew is like 30 minutes passed and the turbulence was done and I'm like all right i'm, I'm okay <laughs> so you're you're, yeah. hitting, you're like that kind of inspired me to try something new outside of fitness outside of the gym to to use it so i think there's a like you're talking about there's a lot of parallels between your book and like you using them in everyday life um Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite stories in your book is like, I think you were, I can't remember now off the top of my head, but you're in the car, you get into this meditative state 
and you said you basically it's like you're almost floating down the road. Um, yeah. Uh, can you kind of like touch on that experience? Because I, I I loved that part of the book. Um, I've tried to do it multiple times and I haven't been able to do it yet. But I mean, just kind of how you went through there in your mind and got there. Yeah, that was a that was a powerful one. You know, you, sometimes you have these meditations that stick with you. They're maybe bigger than some of the others, or in your mind or in your heart. Um, that was the first time that I ever cleared my tired energy. Yeah. In my body, and. I had eaten kind of poorly the night before we were traveling. I was in Florida. We were about to head back to Texas. I was exhausted. I felt sick. Like, I, I've, there's been a, a few times in my life where I've battled, like, chronic fatigue and just this sick, tired feeling. And so this was one of those times where it was creeping up. And I was like, I can't like this on this drive so I've got to try to do something about it and I had already had a I think this is after I'd had a crazy experience at the gym where I had released some knots in my traps uh, had knots had been bugging me for weeks and I went into a meditation started doing this process that I call oxygen flooding or oxygen flood release it's basically where you breathe at a slightly higher rate than normal, much deeper. It's bordering on hyperventilation, but it's like these deep, long breaths. So they're not short breaths like hyperventilating, but it's like deep, long breaths. And it's almost like you're taking in more oxygen than you need in a resting state and flooding the system with oxygen. It starts to generate this vibration or this buzz in the body. And then you can actually do stuff with it and focus on. So I went into the knots meant like kind of mentally and sent the vibration of that area. And then all of a sudden the knots, like, I don't know how long it took, but it was probably five, 10 minutes, 15 at the most. And I felt this warmth and this dispersion and it was like amazing. So I applied the same thing when I was in the car meditating with my friend Frank driving and started doing the oxygen flood release and started to just breathe out all the tired, foggy, crappy energy. And as I was doing that, it was the weirdest thing, but my face was contorting and my eyes were like watering really bad. Tears were just streaming down basically like all this energy leaving and when I was done this again was probably about a 10 to 15 minute process and when I was done I was wide awake like totally clear I didn't feel any of that tired sick energy that I felt before uh, there's more to the techniques that I sometimes use to I'll, I'll kind of like what you did with your uh, counting the beads sometimes you just create what you need in the moment and you just do it and it might be more advanced after you've practiced or after you've done some meditating and you start to get comfortable but that's what I try to do in my book is give people all of what they need that they can start creating their own practices or, or and, and getting creative 
in their meditations to accomplish things, to, to, to do things that are useful, like clearing out tired energy or um, something like that. And so, but that, now that particular time also, we were driving and I just remember feeling the, the whole car vibrating too, but it was very weird being with my eyes closed. I think it, was, it had to have been one of the first times I meditated in a car like this and hovering just a few feet off the ground. So I'm in the meditation. I'm just like, and then I'm just feeling it like that sensation of just flying down the road or floating down the road uh, and hovering above the ground because I was in such a vibration too that it kind of just melded all together. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty yeah. good experience. I've, I've tried to replicate it. I can't yet. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, but like, but like you said, well, I think what's awesome about your book, like, and you just touched on it, and the fact of like you give people these tools, and they can use them at their with the, the way that it works for them, um, not like yeah. the, not like this is this is the way you got to do it. This is this is not a one size or this is a one this isn't a one size fits or this is a one size fits all type of a thing. We got to make sure that we're everybody's using their own experiences and awareness to be able to utilize the tools you're giving them i guess a, a good way to i mean talk about this is like you talk about awareness uh a lot in your book um and we just talked about it quite a bit throughout this conversation can you talk about like i guess the one thing when people come to across the gym or anything in their life when they're like i think that's a good thing to say we people lack of being aware of what's going on or what's about to come and sometimes they almost focus the awareness i think sometimes on the what's about to come, like what looking for, too far forward instead of being aware of what's in the moment of what you talk about in your book. Can you speak to that as far as like how you get people to be more in the moment instead of like trying to look at 10 steps ahead? Sure. Um, one, of, one of the top things that, that resonates is focusing or being aware of your state of being at any given time so that could include your your heart what you're feeling what kind of emotions you're bringing into it that's always a good place to start is what are you feeling right now kind of thing if somebody's flustered if somebody's you know going through something or if they're kind of absent-minded and or they may lack some grounding so getting that that even that question is a way to ground them in, in something rather than being kind of um, if you could see me I'm putting my hand above my head kind of floating uh, in the clouds maybe head in the clouds we need to get a little more grounded a little more present right here so pulling them kind of down from that and that could be by focusing on uh, one particular thing or bringing them back bringing them to a physical thing as well, uh, which sometimes even uh, a, a physical touch might cue them properly if it's a movement-related thing or if you're trying to get somebody to be more aware of their body position, uh, something like that. And so you've got your feelings, you've got your state of being, your mind, your thoughts, what's going on in your head, your, it could be uh, your energy level, so all these different things that we we can take inventory over, which is part of a mindfulness practice, 
And that's also, once again, from there is kind of where we set our intention for where we're going or for what we're doing. So by bringing it into the present and then where we go from there. Um, did you say, like, I think I heard you say first, the first part of the podcast that you kind of came up with this whole system and, and part of the process was your own struggle with depression. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's been a big part of, of my life and what's led me down this path that I've been on is exploring spirituality and meditation well, mental, me- mental health. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, the reason I I bring that up and and I notice you saying that is because so many people struggle with it anyway on small scales, bigger scales, whatever it may be. And um, I I kind of wanted you to share a little bit about maybe how either this helped you, how you overcame some of that, and how these philosophies in your book can kind of help people that are struggling with the same sort of issues with depression and things like that, that, that you may have had. Absolutely. So I would say it's been, uh, a multi-pronged approach. However, what I've found is that everything is basically linked. And by what I mean, part of it is even nutrition food, which is a chapter in in my book as well, and then part of it is our mental state of being, our emotional state, and then then you've got the fitness side of the equation, so fitness, meditation, good nutrition, all those things to me have been like a lifesaver for helping me to basically clear my space and and I still will occasionally encounter it or have to move through something. I I feel like I better understand it these days and and I understand that it's trying to tell me something or teach me something or it's there for a reason to, to move through um, the, the energy. But the workouts have been extremely powerful for in the past when I was, I would say struggling more than I do now to, to wake up and be, and I would just wake up kind of depressed and which I think partly was, uh, nutrition and just waking up feeling bad after eating not very well or eating things that were causing all kinds of problems in, in my system. So waking up just feeling bad or feeling feeling low, feeling depressed, and I'm going to the gym no matter what. So I'm going to use it for something that's going to get me to a better place. And there's many, many days where by the time I was leaving the gym, I was happy. And for I'm one of those people that struggled to, to a point where I probably spent 20 years where I didn't even know what happiness felt like. It was just absent. <laughs> yeah, wow. And it was, you know, not fun or I didn't even know how to enjoy life at all. So to be happy was a miracle. And so I would have these experiences where I would leave after meditation too and feeling happy. And 
all that full circle really to say that that multi-pronged approach that I have, that that everything is linked together, and part of it is creating this clear body or this clear mind so my energy is clear. And when it's not, then my job is to do something about that. It might be, okay, maybe I need to, to clean up the, the nutrition for that because uh, maybe I had a cheat day and so I'm or a couple cheat days in a row, so maybe my body's not producing as much serotonin or something like that, or chemically something's off, and I can feel it when it goes off. And so my job is to to get that energy in a more harmonious place, and I can do that with meditation, with fitness, and with good nutrition. Um, That's at least the top top three on my list for sure. I really like one, like, I, I like the whole thing, really, but I we both like looked at each other and we picked up on something that you said where you recognize the feeling now of like when something's off and then that it's there for a reason too. And then you push through it. Like you push through it with these things that you've created with the nutrition and the three pronged approach. So I I really picked up on that and because I'm a firm believer that sometimes we feel sad for a specific reason. Um, there's a reason that we're sad. There's a reason that we're happy there. There's, you know, there's sometimes it's our body and our minds telling us something that we need to fix. Um, instead of just trying to tell ourselves that everything's okay. Uh, and, and, and with that three pronged approach, you're really taking it where you're actually fixing the issue. Is that what kind of dream? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. And then uh, at the same time, I really think what you're saying is spot on. And it, it's not about trying to like ignore it or pretend it's not there, or it's about it's not trying to mask the underlying things that are going on. It's really about pulling up those underlying things, bringing them to the surface, letting them out, acknowledging it. And that's part of where uh, being a, a strong feeling person or feeler, those emotions are causing problems sometimes on the surface. And they're very powerful. They're the kind of emotions that, like, in a way, led me to writing a whole book and spending years doing it yeah. and dedicating my life to it. It's like that powerful where it moves you. And that's the kind of thing, like, um, I, I think Tony Robbins might have said it better, but it's like, I don't want to live life in the shallow end. I want to live in the deep end. And I, that's why I like to get others in the deep end with me and talking about shit that matters. To me, that's what life's all about. It's, you know, getting real and, um, you know, dealing with that stuff. To me, it is, it's even some of the beauty of, of life or it's where the richness comes from or where you get, I, I wasn't able to experience joy because I hadn't, I had lockdown on my heart. My heart was dead inside, basically. And it wasn't until that woke up and I was able to start feeling, and I had to feel a lot of the pain or a lot of the bad stuff before I could start feeling the good again. But just opening it up, opening your heart, feeling things is the way to go. And that's where uh, a lot of power is found, and that's where you can multiply your energy um, connected with your mind too. I, I was thinking about this just with the, the idea of talking to you guys about mindset and then I thought about the term heart set and when your heart is set on something 
is so powerful. And then, but also aligning that so your heart and, and mind are set together is, I would say, the most powerful. I, I think that's such an awesome thing you just touched on as far as like embrace, like we, I mean, I think in, especially in the CrossFit world or anything that can translate over to the everyday stuff is, I think sometimes when people are going through those things, they tend to run away or not wanting to experience. Like if you hear people talking about like if being a big crowd gives them anxiety, what they're going to do is they're going to stay home and not do anything. Um, if they, if, if, if going to work, you know, gives them anxiety or depression, they're going to end up calling in sick a lot because they just try to avoid those things all the time. Um, one thing you, I think you touched, touched, you just touched on that, uh, I don't think a lot of people maybe pick maybe pick up on it, but we did. Is you just talked about not treating the symptoms, but almost trying to treat the problem with this three pronged approach. You're not just trying to tr- treat one thing. You're trying to treat the overarching problem with everything that you were went, going through. Can you uh, kind of talk about? I mean, uh, people. Would, how would someone recognize that they are doing that? Like, where they're just treating the symptom and they're not trying to fix the big problem. Yeah, I I would say that's modus operandi for the majority of the population. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I mean that's I mean they, we we understand that. Yeah. Um, so the 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 question is, state it again for me. So if like how how could someone recognize that they're just treating the symptom and they're not treating the problem? Like, they're just like, I'm sad. I want to stop being sad. Okay, this is what makes me stop being sad right now. Okay, but you're sad You're sad all the time. So if we need you just to get not be sad all the time, we can't just not get you being sad right now. Yeah. What, what I would say is digging deeper, being comfortable. And this is where we, we talk about sitting with the feelings, whether that's sitting in a real meditation or whether it's just sitting whether and just reflecting, whether it's standing in front of the mirror and allowing yourself to be with whatever you're feeling, to not push it away, to not resist. So it is a form of surrender. And that's step one, perhaps. No, that's a powerful one, though. You're talking about like people. I think a lot of the times, I think when I've talked to people, they talk about like how they hate, they love waking up in the morning, but they hate going to bed at night because when they go to bed at night, they think about everything they got to do the next day or everything they didn't accomplish the day before. Um, so they really don't like that time period, uh, I guess. And I try to tell them like, well, that's kind of a time period you can t- you think about what's going on in your life and why. Are you, are you always worrying about these things or is it something new every single day or what is it? Like, I don't want, I don't think people should run away from that time. Um, I guess, but like a lot of people are scared to spend time in that thought process. Would you think, I mean, would you encourage people yeah. to spend a lot? I mean, I guess what's that, what would you think a, like a healthy amount of time would be to spend on like thinking about those things or going through that whole experience you're talking about? One of the rules of thumb is to sit and don't get up until you're happy or don't get up until you're 
you you have shifted. Man, that is that's so, powerful. That's I mean that's that's a, that's a tough thing. That's powerful though. Yeah, and it, and it may not be possible all the time that if if it's, if somebody. It, but at the same time, the shift doesn't need to take very much time. So we we, we don't want to get stuck necessarily on oh it's got to take tw- the shift has to take twenty minutes you know right or whatever. It, it really could happen in an instant. It's going to happen in an instant. But we have to be willing or ready or able. And, but then it's, it may not necessarily be on our time or on our decision. We can't force it. That's where we have to surrender into it. We have to go in, dig, go, go a little deeper into what we're feeling, bring it to the surface, say, why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? Why is my mind doing this right now? Or why, you know, what, whatever it is that the person's facing, um, but go deeper, sit with it, bring it to the surface, open your heart. And then from there, once your heart is open, we want to turn it upwards in a positive direction that we're not going into this downward spiral and getting stuck in something worse and just, you know, wallowing or going further down. So turning it in a positive direction and letting in the good. So once it's open, you can let in some of the good. It doesn't necessarily mean that whatever you're facing isn't still there, but you're able to kind of feel both. You're able to feel the good and the bad at the same time. That's happiness too, because happiness isn't always rosy peaches and everything. I don't believe. Yeah. Um, Happiness to me is crying my eyes out sometimes. You know, I mean, you're talking. Yeah, you know, you're talking about a lot of like powerful things in the sense, and like, powerful feelings. Do you are you getting any resistance as far like this might be a tough question to answer, but like are you get like I, I would say we're in a generational, uh, still in a generational shift, and I find myself uh, in a tug of war with it sometimes where you have the the old school way of thinking like, hey, leave your feelings at home, don't talk about them here. But now there's kind of like almost a focus, like, no, this is where you're supposed to talk about them. This is where we are. We're supposed to be friends. We're supposed to help each other through these types of things. Are you getting it? You think you're getting any resistance in the, with this field now? I would say, from, yeah, like just in a way from people in my life that I will, I, in some ways, you know, preach or te- teach or go off on my tangents. I get, I do get a little uppity too. Like get, I get, <laughs> get fiery, fired up about stuff. Um, but yeah, like there's just such a connotation with feelings and emotion. And it's so crazy because even women that we tend to think of as more feeling and emotional or that like a lot of the ones in my life that I'm surrounded by, are often apologizing still for feeling things or for having, yeah. you know, or for crying or whatever. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm, and meanwhile, I'm the one who's always encouraging people to cry, to let it out, to feel, you know, deeply and to experience life, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, it's, I don't know if it's as much resistance as it is just that that's happening and that people are resistant to it. And so I try to, that, I, I do feel like in a way that's part of my job or part of my duty. And that was part of my duty in writing the book is to help with that. And because of who I am just as, a, as an individual, and um, I, it is more rare to be a male. 
of something with it as well. Yeah, uh, but I tell you one thing, as far as the resistance that you might feel, people always want to, no matter what, like if there's that type of a person that's like, talks about their feelings and emotions and like is perpetually trying to be happy as much as they can, even if people like, I don't know, show a little bit of resistance or give a little bit of like a, a gentle like nudging is like, hey, you're doing too much, they still want to be around those people. So at least that I found and no matter what, like it doesn't matter like what they're like talking about or like, man, this person's always finds the good or the joy. So man, that's kind of fun to be around. It's almost infectious. Uh, I, I find myself with that. There's sometimes like I, 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 I withhold my emotions, but man, it's sometimes it's okay to be around someone that doesn't or kind of like, cause then I just all of a sudden start almost have like word vomit where I just start letting it all out too. <laughs> So whatever you yeah. do, yeah, I think I, yeah. I, I, yeah. So I think it's it's okay to be like even if you get resistance to be that person still. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, and it, it may just be the approach or the way to go about it. Um, but one of my favorite things in the world is getting into a, a deeper conversation with somebody, talking about things that matter. Uh, if tears are shed, all the better. Um, or if not, that's okay too. But just. <laughs> Just feeling, just feeling what you were talking about. And that's where you're connecting to the words. You're connecting with your heart and you're putting your heart into it. And that's also what I believe leads to flow states or uh, many other. Did we lose you? you? Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, there, there we, we go. Okay, okay, got you back. Got you back. Yeah, just lost power on the headphones. That's all. Oh. <laughs> that's all good. We were waiting. We were waiting so intently yeah, on that we're... answer. We're like, what Boy. happened? <laughs> yeah, well, it was a, I, I, it was a good answer, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. No worries. All right, man. Well, um, do you want to before we end the podcast? You want to. Like, let everybody know where they can find your stuff, find you and the information and your new book coming out and all that good stuff. Probably the best place is, is the website, meditativefitness.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram, at meditativefitness. Those probably be the two best. Two best things to get you. And then, uh, do you have an approximate time frame for your follow-up book to the, to the medita- Meditative Fitness book? I hope to have it out before the end of the year or close to the beginning of next year. Would be a, a, a good goal right now. Right on. Awesome. Looking forward to that, brother Clark. You thank you so much uh, for talking with us and going over this. This is an this is an aspect of the mindset part that we really wanted to touch on, and we're glad we got to do it with you, bro. Yeah, me too. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, next time we're up in Dallas, we'll have to try to uh, yeah, Tiger Den Crossroad. We're gonna be dropping in. Yeah, visit your gym. Sure, yeah, come on over. Be awesome, man. Thanks for doing this. You got it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one, Clark. You too.